You're listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amswell. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amswell. I'm Brent Smith, alongside Shane Stetsney. We're going to cover a lot of racing action, especially coming off of Crandon, Shane. Man, what a weekend that was. Yeah, it was nice to to take a week off from doing the podcast and uh, kind of figuratively catch our breath a little bit. It was a, a very wild weekend. And of course, uh, we remember all the carnage that happened in turn one. We'll talk to two of the guys involved in that carnage later on on this podcast. But the way that the season is setting up, Brent, some of these classes are going to be very exciting, and they're going to come right down to the wire. I'm thinking about Pro 2, already three different winners through the four rounds, and Pro Spec, even though there's only four trucks, the parity in that class is insane. Three different winners through the first four rounds in Pro Spec as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy. Every race weekend, you never know who's going to win and what trucks and cars are going to make it to the next rounds at ERX Motor Park because, man, there was a lot of carnage, a lot of tore-up trucks, but hey, these points battles are still there, and it's going to be cool to see what goes on at ERX. Yeah, oddly enough, after Anigo, we were talking about how the drivers would be looking forward to having a little bit more space when they came to Crandon. And then, of course, because we said something about it, it played out the complete opposite way. <laughs> and looking ahead to the rest of the season, Brent, what are your thoughts on Pro 2? Because that that one, to me, is lining up to be the most hotly contested pro truck class. You've had Corey Winter with his first career win. Ricky G picked up his second career win. And then Mickey Thomas has the other two wins, but Thomas all the way down in fourth in points. Ryan Beat, who had a couple wins last year, sixth in points. Keegan Kincaid, the champ last year, all the way down in eighth. What do you think plays out for Pro 2 at ERX? Man, we're going to have to go to ERX and just let it all shake out because it seems like a guy will have a good day, and then the next day, just not so good. Just breaks apart, something happens, a tire goes down. I mean, you've seen Keegan Kincaid, he's struggling right now. And just, he'll bounce back. I mean, Ricky Gutierrez, he had some transmission converter issues. They're going to figure that out. I mean, Ryan Beat, you keep going down the list. Mickey Thomas, very, very fast race car drivers. Then Corey Winter coming off a win. I think those guys are going to come swinging at ERX Motor Park. And whoever can stay out of the carnage, Shane, I really do think is going to come to the top. Yeah, I think you're right. Carnage has probably been the uh, buzzword, the defining word of the season so far for our pro classes. But like I said, we have a couple great guests lined up tonight. Both of those guys were involved in some carnage at Crandon. Are you ready to get into that? Absolutely, Shane. Let's catch up with our next guest. Well, our first guest on the Champ Off-Road podcast presented by Amsoil this week is Scotty Lawrence of Pro 4 and Pro Turbo Side-by-Side. Scotty, biggest question, I guess, probably on everybody's mind after that crash in round four in Pro Turbo. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good right now, actually. I was... Uh... Not doing so good for a couple of days after, very sore, and uh, kind of shook up a little bit. Got my bell rung pretty good, but, you know, took a few days off. Actually just got back from a little trip to Virginia with the family and um, got some R&R in and feeling pretty good. I, I know that you posted on social media that you had a concussion, but uh, no other injuries besides that, and clearly you're uh, cleared to race here in a couple of days, right? Yeah, it's all good. Uh, I went... Um, and got a CT scan when I got home, actually, and just to make sure everything was okay and everything inside the head was good, um, everything in my neck looked really good. They said there's a possibility that I had COVID because my upper chest had some bruising, and I was like, no, that was just the five-point harnesses holding me in. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were kind of past COVID, but apparently we're not. So, so what about the car, Scotty? How bad was the car? The car is definitely a total loss. Um, that was a brand new car. I think it had wow. like 0.6 miles on it when we rolled it out of the trailer. Ouch. We kind of, uh, we had had a couple incidents at Anigo and totaled a, a car. So for two weekends now, I'm two cars in, two cars down. So what's your plans then coming into this coming weekend in the ERX Motor Park? I mean, are you going to run? In the the Pro Turbo, or are you just concentrating on the Pro 4? So going into ERX, I have not had time to get another car ready just yet. Um, I did talk with the the guys in the race department at Can-Am just to kind of let them know the situation. Obviously, they knew about the the wreck, and um, they were more concerned with 
with me than you know the the condition of the car and and they were right, very right. understanding of that so um you know that's been one thing that's been great i've had a ton of people calling and checking in on me not only family members but lots of friends and and even just acquaintances from the track and you know it's one of those things like this is a it was a pretty scary situation but you know the race family definitely extends after you leave the racetrack you know it was nice to have that that support and and those conversations with people um you know the race family is is definitely a tight family and i think whenever you get out there and and bang doors with guys and and gals in some situations it creates a special bond and respect and it, right, it was right. nice to, to hear from some some people that you know otherwise may not have and and just and you know to get that that support from them was was good so but yeah as far as the car goes i just didn't have time to to get something done and definitely going to concentrate on the pro four i wasn't even sure i was going to be able to drive but um after the ct scan came back clear and they said everything was good then you know i started making a few phone calls and we got a practice session scheduled for tomorrow actually uh which would be thursday up at lena so i'm anxious to get in the truck and and get some more seat time for sure how gnarly was that crash yeah what was it like from uh what was it like from the driver's seat from the driver's seat you know it's one of those things where at first when it happens you always think oh maybe i'll be able to save this or maybe it'll land and then everything will be good but pretty quickly into it i i realized that it wasn't going to be good and and, and you know it's no secret that land rush start is the most dangerous start that we have in short course and and honestly you could argue that it's probably the most dangerous start in all of motorsports really i mean even even compared to like a, a full gate of 40 bikes on in moto you know that's something that those guys do every time they hit the track and you know compared to us in in the cars we're used to lining up two by two and rolling start and so the land rush definitely throws a different aspect in into the stars there and there's always the chance that something could go south and it, it just happened to in that situation I, the biggest thing i remember is the back of the car stepping out really hard and and it was not normal you know so i knew that somebody had kind of gotten to the back of me a little bit mm-hmm. and then when the car bit and then it kind of went up the first impact was was pretty bad i think there's a good video of the side shot that another car actually got in into me i mean he was hard on his brakes it, it was a friend of mine a really good friend of of my my main guy uh jeb who works on my cars kyle olsen you can see in the video he the, the front of his car really dives hard he's trying to get on the binders but still hit me and it kind of accelerated the car so it just started rolling more and i just mm-hmm. remember thinking when am i ever going to start rolling and and I, or stop rolling and and then it didn't stop after about four rolls i never lost consciousness and i just remembered thinking like man i need to get myself contained and so i just reached down i held onto my harnesses as tight as i could i was along for the ride at that point basically you know completely out of my control and i remember there right before it kind of stopped rolling i thought man people must just be hitting me because it's dusty the, you know they do put water down but it usually just when you're mid pack if you're not in the top 3 or 4 the vision is really really bad and so i just thought people are just hitting me and just pushing me down the track but you know that wasn't the case it was just there was a lot of speed and momentum and it kind of kept going but when i did kind of finally come to a stop the guys got over there super quick and were and were helping me out of the car and when i stood up i i was a little bit dizzy i didn't quite have my balance and i had some blurred vision in my left eye and so i said i told the guys like hey i i need to go get checked out like you know there's something going on here that's not normal and went and got checked out they said everything was good heart rate was good and uh blood pressure was all good and so it was kind of you know said are bad <laughs> take a couple take a couple aspirin and call me in the morning you know so but yeah the car was just it's pretty bad i haven't really put any pictures up or anything i'm um but after eight rolls in pretty much an OEM production chassis with with a roll cage bolted on it really did hold up uh, uh, surprisingly well and and you know it's it's definitely due to that cage that that's the reason that I was able to walk away from that with relatively minor injuries after a crash like that uh, how are you like uh, mentally emotionally are you 
do you think it'll be tough to, to strap into the pro four 10 days from right now? Oh man, right after it, you know, it's, you always have those thoughts. It's like, what am I doing? You know, um, right. you kind of question your, your sanity slightly. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, really thankful to have my guys get me home and we, we, we drove through the night, which we do a lot of times after the race anyway, you know, we come from pretty far away. We're in Ohio. So we've got a anywhere from 10 to 14 hour drive. Anytime we come race a champ off-road race. So we like to get back. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, this year I've had Travis pointer with me who actually builds my cages for me. Um, but he's been spotting for me this year as well. And then, um, Jeb who wrenches on my cars at the shop and at the track, we usually split driving duties. You know, it, it's not too bad to drive three or four hours and then get some sleep. And then it just helps be able to get home and, and kind of get a day of rest and then, um, get back at it again. But they got me home. I was able to see my family and, you know, my wife was obviously pretty shook up. She was, wasn't actually able to watch the race. And so she didn't see it, but she just started getting text messages asking about me. And then obviously she's trying to get a hold of people at the track. That's probably 10 times as scary for her not being there. And all of a sudden right. her phone's blowing up like that. Yeah, definitely. She, she was actually glad that she didn't watch it because, um, you know, after I went and got checked out, I was kind of missing. Nobody really knew where I was for a little bit. So she said that would have been terrible, basically waiting in limbo to hear what's going on so i mean it, it it worked out for the best in the situation but i was just glad to get home and um and see my kids and, and the wife and really be thankful for what we had and but as far as getting back in the truck i mean i, I took monday off i actually took tuesday off as well and um wednesday went into work a little bit was still man super sore got some pretty serious bruises it, it was just nice to be able to take a few days off but that competitive nature that I feel like if you're going to race short course, especially at, you know, the pro turbo and pro four level, you've got to have this drive to compete. Yeah. I've always had it. And it, you know, the desire to go out and try to compete against the best guys that you can and, and see how you stack up at the end of the day is just something that I don't know if I'll ever really shake it. Um, I can't wait to get in the truck. I, I really can't. And I can't wait to get another car built and get out there and, and try to get, get back in and mix it up so let's talk about pro four a little bit because a couple hours before you were rolling through turn one in the turbo car you were it looked like on your way to a podium in round four in pro four do you feel like you're starting to build some momentum there too well it's hard to tell i've uh you know pro four is one of those classes where the attrition rate is so high that if you can be smooth and consistent and just survive to the end of the race i feel like you really almost anybody that that gets in that class has a shot at the podium. I mean, it's it's the top level of our sport, and I feel like every guy out there has a shot at the podium. I mean, there's there's certain guys that you just expect to be there every every time you're on the track. Um, you got guys that have thousands of laps at all of these tracks. Uh, I mean, and someone like me that comes in that doesn't get as much seat time doesn't have the facilities to test you know i'm 10 hours away from the closest true short course track it's really hard to get seat time but coming around there when i was in uh i think it was third there we were able to get up to in the truck that travis raced last year i rented him that truck and uh you know he actually was doing really well and until he decided to steal the show um in, in that cup race I think <laughs> you guys remember that I was getting super comfortable. I really shocked myself whenever we were able to come out and, and that was, you know, two laps of qualifying after three laps of practice. And we were 1.7 seconds off of the top qualifier. I, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, man, I can't believe this is happening, but I was super comfortable in the truck. It was basically just dri driving a big 900 horsepower X3 and I was starting to get a feel for it. And, and it was, Oh, I'll tell you what, when I came through Argonne and uh, I had Doug on my tail, he was sitting in for, for uh, Adrian and uh, I was just trying to, to play a little defense and I ran a little different line. I normally would have through Argonne and I figured Doug was going to, or yeah, yeah Matag was going to be trying to dive to the inside and, and kind of push me out. So I wanted to protect that line and I rotated the truck and went to get back on the gas and there was just nothing there. 
Oh. I didn't have any, I had no forward gears. I could go backwards, you know, and there for a moment, you know, the, the idea popped in my head, well, maybe I'll get to their backwards or something, but you know, it, it's that never quit, never die mentality, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be that day. But I really, really think with the crew that I got now, I've got some guys that have some experience working on trucks, uh, a guy, Troy Retzloff, who's raced a pro two. You guys might be familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Troy. Yeah. And, and Donnie, Donnie Lorenz, who, worked with scotty taylor for quite a few years oh, yeah. I mean, i'm trying to build a program and and put my dues in and i i really think that it's going to pay off and we're, we're going to get up there someday and we're going to have that race where things come together and um i start getting more and more comfortable in the truck and getting more confident how are the trucks which one would you prefer to drive weekend to weekend i would say coming out of crandon the truck that i prefer to be in right now would definitely be the automatic um, that's the difference then you have a standard and then an automatic yeah so so there's actually um when i made a deal with scott douglas to to you know kind of buy out his program he had three trucks there's a six speed it's an alvin six speed in it and then there's a fortin that has four speed and those are both manuals and then i've got the the automatic with the turbo 400 and by far the easiest truck to drive is the the automatic i mean it, i think that just goes without saying it, it would just there's less going on in the truck and so that's one thing that was kind of uh the biggest learning curve for me you know just like for example going into the tree turn cowboy corner at crandon you're coming down that back stretch after you just hit a very technical corner at argon if you nail it, you have good exit speed. You're going to hit about 110 right before you hit that corner. And you got to simultaneously hit the brakes, rotate the truck, downshift three gears, get back on the gas, upshift perfectly. And it's, it's an extremely difficult thing. I've enjoyed the challenge so much, but it was nice to have a little bit of a break and just focus on driving and trying to hit marks. And I really enjoyed driving the auto and I think I'm going to stick with it for the rest of the year. And I may even stick with it for longer. I mean, I think technology in the automatic transmissions has gotten better since that was kind of the dominant choice. And so I want to see see where it goes and see what we can do. I think it was the uh, two guys in the black and green trucks that convinced everybody to move over to the uh, manual. Yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt when the guys that are winning are running manuals. I mean, that you can see that in every class, the guy that's on top, everybody wants to run what they're running. And, um, it's, it's definitely worked for them, but you know, who knows, maybe we can uh, get in there and shake things up a little bit. So obviously you were, uh, entrenched in the, the UTV world. You depend on that market for your livelihood, but is your long-term goal to just race pro four exclusively, or do you think you'll always be, uh, kind of stick to your roots in the side-by-sides? I think as long as I'm coming to the champ races, I'll be bringing a side-by-side. You know, one thing that's kind of really important to me and, and not just in racing, I think in life in general is just loyalty. And Can-Am's had my back for, this is going on five years now that um, I've been racing with Can-Am. I, I think that Can-Am has an incredible race program, not just because I'm a part of it, but because I see how they use their race program to develop the product that gets sold to the to the normal consumer i mean we we test their products a lot of people probably don't know this but we're running stock axles stock transmission our engines are 100 percent stock we're running stock front diffs for a long time we ran stock drive lines it just they they use the race program as an r d department and what works for us ends up getting put into production and it's been paying off i mean can-am's been gaining more and more market share every year and it's been working great for us in, in the dealership. I mean, we, we sell lots and lots of X3s and it's, it's been a great relationship I've had with him. So definitely I'll always have a side by side and even kind of further than that, my daughter, um, she loves racing. Obviously she won that, uh, short course carts championship last year and it's kind of killing her to be at the track and not be racing something. But we decided we just kind of wanted to take a little time off this year with her being in a car, I've actually been, you know, Brent, I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about this. We were thinking about maybe looking into doing some local uh, round track stuff and, and seeing what she might enjoy doing. And I think the biggest thing for her is just getting a lots of seat time, you know, going to a champ weekend, there's not a ton of seat time that you get. So we want, she wants to continue getting better as a driver. She's definitely expressed that to me. And, and so we're going to work on doing that, but 
probably get her back into a side-by-side eventually, but right now it's just not what we're doing. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because I talked to her for a little bit at Antigo and, and said, uh, you know, I basically asked her that question, when are we going to see her up back out there? And she said she was leaning on you for a uh, sportsman side-by-side. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no pressure, Dan. It was, you know, I said something about a super buggy now. And so now it's, she wants to get into a super buggy. She heard, you know, CJ kind of started in a super buggy and then it's, I, I kind of cut my teeth in mechanics with old Volkswagen dune buggies that we used to rip around in the woods. And she's even had that kind of idea popping up, but kind of one of the things that I want to do is I want to focus on something that's going to turn into, turn into something that we can maybe stick with for a while. And I don't know that we would stick with something like that for a long time. So we're just going to kind of see how it goes this year and, and see, see what pops up and what opportunities she gets into. And you never know. I mean, behind the wheel of a, a little sprint car or something like that, um, she might really enjoy it. And I mean, in Ohio, you can go race three nights a week within two hour drive of our house and get tons and tons of seat time for a lot less money. So that's what's so cool, though. That's so cool. You can go everywhere, like in Wisconsin, even I mean, down North Carolina. I'm so jealous because even in the later months in the fall, these kids are getting to drive tremendous amount of time that people up by us, we don't really get enough good weather to drive yeah definitely it's it seems like up there in wisconsin it's like short course season's over and you guys are going right into snowmobiles so. <laughs> snowmobiles and ice fishing you know hey so just to talk a little bit more about um champ off road so you've won two championships in the side-by-side sports series uh, you've also supported kyle cheney and cole ridden on his two king of the hammers wins but you haven't been able to to reach that high level of success yet in champ off road is that just because of the level of talent that's here or the different format or what do you think it is that makes it so challenging oh man i you know i've thought about that a lot and i i really can't put my finger on it i mean i don't kid myself i don't i don't try to tell myself you know psych myself up before a race like oh i'm gonna go out when i know anytime i hit the track that i'm not the fastest driver on the course i never have been but not very often does the fastest driver win the race either so i've always tried to focus on being really consistent finishing races and um you know especially when you're chasing championships that's what you have to do when you're when you're someone like rodney and kyle that just has speed and lots of experience it's tough to compete against those guys and even though they've you know they competed in in johnny's monster series the side-by-side sports series you know it was a short enough series that it worked out for me for the first couple of years and I was able to snag those championships. And I think the biggest thing about champ is just the number of drivers and also the depth of competition and, and the depth of talent. Yeah. The entries are crazy. Oh yeah. It, it It's just kept growing and growing. Um, it's just been extremely difficult and um, you know, not that that makes me not enjoy it. I actually really enjoy that. It's one of those things where, <laughs> since a young age i've enjoyed competition and every race when there's 30 drivers there's only going to be one winner you know you strive and you 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 try to try to be be that person at the end of the race but i think the biggest thing for champ is just the consistency hasn't been there for me whether it's been mechanical issues or you know getting tangled up with other drivers one thing about camp that's a little different too is is the qualifying i've never been a good qualifier and i was really really frustrated with myself this year at anago because i went out and kind of treated qualifying like another practice and when i came off the track i felt smooth but my time didn't really reflect it and i was i was pretty upset so i told myself i'm going to go out at crandon and treat qualifying like a race and it worked i mean i was able to come away with second qualifier you know that second heat may have been a a little bit better track but that's sometimes just just how things go, and um, so I thought, you know, this is going to be a good weekend. And then we just we had a, a, a tangle up there with the restart. I think um, you guys probably remember that, where another driver and I got stuck together, and they did another restart. And you know, after talking to the driver that I got stuck together with after the race, he said that he was pushed onto me by another driver behind him. <laughs> It was an interesting shakeup on that second restart. I think Robert uh, Loire had a flat tire, and he, he gave his position up to Jason, who was behind me, and that allowed the person that was behind Jason to move up behind me. 
and then he was hitting me on the restart. It, it was a little frustrating, to say the least. And you know, obviously Sunday didn't turn out the greatest, but the way that the series is growing and the number, the car counts are going up. You know, the 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 field this year has been so competitive. I think this is probably the deepest pro turbo field we've ever had. And so that's super exciting to be able to race against really fast people and see how you stack up. But I think that something needs to be done about, I don't even really want to call it the rough driving or it, it's almost just like the inexperience sometimes. And I, I think the champ came out with some, some qualifying rules now that that's going to be, it's a step in the right direction, but I think some, some, you know, something else needs to be done. It's something that we all got to be patient with. I mean, if we want to have a series that's, big and it has the best drivers there there's going to be some growing pains and so I'm going to stick with it yeah you talked about how full the fields are I I could be wrong on this but I'm pretty sure that at Crandon all six of the side-by-side classes in Champ Off-Road from the 170s all the way up to Pro Turbo I think each of those six had the most entries they've ever had uh, for a champ race not counting uh, Labor Day Crandon why do you think maybe I'm wrong on this but it seems like at least here in the Midwest side-by-side racing is is booming you know still after it I thought it would start to peak a couple of years ago. Why do you think side-by-side racing is so attractive? Is, is it just that it's relatively lower cost compared to, you know, a late model or a, you know, a truck program? Or what do you think the, the draw is? Yeah, I think that a big part of it is the cost to get into it. I mean, it is compared to most, no, no racing is, is cheap by any means. It's just, it's just not a, a, an inexpensive sport. I think if, if somebody wants an inexpensive sport, they can take up ping pong, but. Hey, those paddles can be expensive. Yeah. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that, you know. I just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a ping pong pro, so I wouldn't. Know that, but, but anyway, the, the cost is, is definitely a big part of it. And I think a lot of people have side-by-sides and when they see like the, the races, are fun and they're and they're out ripping around in the woods and like man you know i could go do that they want to give it a shot and it is one of the most fun things you can do uh in a side-by-side to get out there and and fly around that track and you know throw the car into the corners and you know anywhere from the 170s all the way up to the pro turbo class it it's just a very accessible form of motorsports racing and it's you know, I guess it's probably kind of a little bit ironic me saying this, but it's it's very safe. Yeah, it was crazy. From our point of view, it was crazy. Like, it was nuts. We're just glad you're okay. Brent and I always say we know it's a good crash when we're already talking about it while it's still going on. <laughs> there was a couple like that at Crandon. Oddly enough, our, our other guest on this episode is going to be one of the super stock guys that had a bad one. So Yeah, I thought, I mean, that, that wreck, you guys definitely have plenty of time to talk about. I thought we are going to have to go to a commercial break and come back. I'm still going to be rolling. <laughs> Talladega Nights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... But the, the cost is definitely a big part of it. And then I think the fact that there's a lot of consistent drivers that have been around for a while. Like, you know, look at Kyle and Rodney. They've been going at it since 2016, 17. And, you know, the way social media is, there's a lot of people that know about these guys. And if you have a chance to go compete against somebody like that, if you're a competitive person and, and you want to see how you stack up, you're going to jump at that chance. And so, well, for sure, uh, you know, just being able to do it. And I guess that's kind of a, a good point that I hope champ addresses uh, someday is, you know, I, I really feel like the next step is going to be, I think there needs to be some type of a pro card or a pro license. And I think that the next class is, that you're going to see is going to be like a pro am turbo class. Cause right now the only class you can race in, if you've got a, turbo car is that pro turbo class and you know no step the class is the class is huge right now but imagine if imagine all the people that don't want to go out there and race because they've they've only got a turbo car and they don't want to go stack up against somebody like kyle that's a multi-time champion and king of hammers champion or rodney who's multi-time champion and and has just been around forever and is a pro two driver or cj that has multiple pro four championships and you know, they're super intimidated by it. I think that there would be even more drivers sign up if they they had a class that they could get into and get started and get their feet wet. You know, it's definitely you can see the the evolution of the side by side series and and there's a lot of series around the nation that only have side by sides and they have a full weekend of racing with it. So the sport's continuing to grow. It's great. 
for guys like me and Rodney that, that own uh, power sports dealerships and right. Right. You know, it's, it's such a great way to be able to use your business to kind of fuel your passion and be able to go out and compete. And, you know, this year it's been tough. I haven't been able to have my family at all the races like I normally do just because we've had some things going on. The biggest reason is because our dog just had puppies and it's like, you can't just take puppies to the racetrack. So hopefully oh, come on. <laughs> it would be a hit for sure you know we'd have all the kids around which uh with five kids we got half the kids at the racetrack hanging around our pits anyway most of the time which is amazing i mean it's so great to be able to get out there and, and see the race family how do you find time for everything oh man i don't even know sometimes i i really don't like i'll just give you an example i just left last friday and uh we took we went to virginia took a little four-day vacation i got up at 5 30 this morning i was in virginia this morning drove home went to the shop did some payroll did a little bit of housekeeping type stuff at the shop went home grabbed a shower drove over to kyle's jumped in the truck with his mechanic austin grabbed his pro four now i'm halfway to to wisconsin we're going to get up in the morning be at lena practice then i got to turn around about four o'clock get back home i got a meeting with my accountants on friday then keeping it, up shane it, it's non-stop but honestly i don't think i would have it any other way i i can't just sit around and and do nothing even on vacation it was you know four days action-packed non-stop all the time so i'm just a busy guy and uh you know with five kids how can you not be busy with five kids and right you know keeping them all interested in doing stuff and just, just, I guess it's the lifestyle I've chosen. I love every day of it. Yeah, I, I got a little bit out of breath just listening to that. Huh, I'm still trying to catch back up. Brent, we, we can, can never complain, complain about, about feeling busy ever again. No, we're good. Hey, so we don't want to take up too much of your time, but looking ahead to the rest of this year, you know, obviously the, the Pro Turbo program is at least temporarily up in the air, but, you know, what would a successful final four weekends of this year look like to you well we're definitely going to give it our best shot to make sure we get a, a side by side back together for lena um erx is just going to be in the truck which will be kind of nice um to be able to just focus on one thing so i'm, I'm really looking forward to that I, I really like the track at erx so i'm excited for that and then then we go to lena i believe which is uh is where we're going to be testing tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that too i mean you know, anytime I can get some, some more laps on a track, I always feel way more comfortable and then go to Bark River. That's my favorite track. I, I just love Bark River. I just like the layout. I like the speed, the jumps, the technicality of it. It's a really, really fun track. And then we head back to Cranon for a world cup weekend. And I think it's going to be here before we know it. I'm really excited and can't wait to get back out there. And, and, uh, you know, just, there's nothing like, throwing a pro four into the gravel pit and and then just grabbing a bunch of throttle and trying to get out of there and, and i guess it's one of those things i never really saw myself doing three years ago but here i am and uh, we'll see see how long i'm able to keep doing it but definitely going to try to finish out the year strong for sure we haven't started strong but we're going to finish strong well good luck buddy i hope the best for you and your team and keep digging dude you're fast and like i said put some laps in Laps and laps and laps. I always say seat time. Yep, for sure. That is the plan. And uh, I'll try to catch up with you guys whenever uh, we get to ERX and uh, shake hands and, and see uh, see what we can do on the track in the Pro 4. Absolutely. We'll make sure to uh, stop by and say hi. All right. Sounds good. Good talking with you guys. As always, we're so grateful to our presenting sponsor of this podcast, and that's Amsoil. Remember to visit Amsoil.com for products that protect and maximize performance in all your vehicles and motorized toys. Use the convenient Amsoil product guides to find what you need and get fast free shipping on all orders over $100. Amsoil, run with us. And with that, let's move on to our second guest. Well, our next guest on the Champ Off-Road podcast presented by Amsoil is Aaron Holiday. Aaron, how's it going, buddy? Good, good, good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Yeah, doing well. We both said uh, we were kind of joking before we gave you a call that we're... Uh, enjoying a little bit of a break after Crandon, but you're not getting that so much. No, we're, uh, we're working hard on the truck, trying to get it back together. Obviously after the little tumble we had on Sunday. Wow. What a roller coaster weekend though, that Crandon was for you. I mean, so many highs, so many lows. Now you find yourself working on the truck. I mean, what's it been like? I mean, take us through Crandon. Well, first off we practiced on, on Friday. The truck felt pretty good. We did make a little bit of a uh, rear suspension adjustment to the truck. 
not knowing for sure how that was going to feel, but it was a good educated guess. So we went out Saturday, um, ended up uh, getting the pole uh, uh, with the invert, and uh, me and Cooper came out of turn one uh, in the front, and, and uh, things just uh, were dealt right for me, and I just raced hard and did the best I could. Sunday we went in, um, started seventh, front row outside, and coming into turn one, had a little bit of help coming into turn one, and um, ended up my left, left side tires caught on the berm, which took us for a little bit of a barrel roll and endo coming out of turn one, which I mean, everybody's on their toes watching that corner. So that's what Grandin's known for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, after uh, after a couple of weeks ago, that's exactly what it uh, seems to be known for. In that round three race on Saturday, on the original start, before it was red flagged for a, another driver's rollover, you pulled a whole shot, like you said. Then the race gets red flagged and you have to get back in line and restart. What's that like to to finally get the Crandon hole shot and you know, you feel great out front for 15 seconds and then it doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, that, that does suck. Um, it, it <laughs> it's like, Oh man, I had some ground and now, now they got it all back. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Kyle Cooper was fast. Um, he was, he actually was in front of me for a little while. He ended up having some uh, body and uh, engine issues actually, uh, which also helped me out in my favor. Um, but yeah, when, when we were re-racked and then we did a two by two start, I believe is what we did um, at, at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, for what that feels like, it's like I said, it's kind of like, oh, I just got some ground and, you know, fresh air on the truck. It's just always nice to have. And so then it's like, all right, hopefully, hopefully I'm paying attention enough to get a good, good restart um, and do it again. <laughs> Are you surprised what, what went on in round three? I mean, I know you have confidence. You've been working on the truck, but to get that first podium and the first win. I mean, talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know you want to win and you've won in other forms of racing, but tell us about that first win. I mean, to be honest with you, even this week yet, it's still kind of like we're all still kind of taking it in. Um, <laughs> as a team, we're still kind of like in awe. I mean, I know we, we our team works very hard on our truck, uh, I mean, we have a really good maintenance program. We we really work on our truck a lot, and and sometimes that shows and that pays off. But coming back to that win, our team is just you know ecstatic over it. That's awesome. Obviously, that you know this is what everybody is there for, uh, trying to do. And sometimes it takes years um, and years before a guy can say he won at Crandon. And uh, this is definitely a huge thing uh, for holiday racing. As a, as a whole so you get that big triumphant moment and then uh, 24 hours later like you said you're rolling down the the front straightaway through turn one uh, first of all were you banged up at all in that crash um i i mean i wasn't i was fine i was sore now like monday morning it was terrible my back was real sore but other than that no i wasn't banged up and i was back to normal the way it should be and it was and, terrible uh, you know <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was i mean obviously people have coming out a lot worse but uh no my safety equipment did exactly what it was supposed to do the truck held up great which uh, we we built the truck ourselves here in my shop so yeah it's a homemade truck and really there was no tubes or anything we have to replace on the cage or anything like that so i was really really pleased with that no, I mean, talking about putting the truck back together, I mean, you said the structure of the cage and the tubes were all there, but I seen you replace some of the springs and the uppers and lowers. I mean, take us through what it took to get it back to normal. First off, yeah, we took the carnage off the outside so that we could see the skeleton, right? So I pulled, uh, I, I have a digital angle finder and I took that through all the horizontal bars from tail or nose to tail. And every horizontal bar in that truck was within a half a degree so, I mean, that really told me that, you know, the truck definitely doesn't have any type of twist. Uh, pulled some measurements, you know, off the stock holes from the stock frame, you know, from corners to corners, front to rear, and everything was right there. So, with that being said, the main frame, I was really happy that that happened. Yeah, bumpers, whatever, uh, we have to refab those. But um, uh, as far as the damage on the truck goes itself, we the rear leaf springs were twisted and bent sideways like a banana. The rear axle housing was uh, on the driver's side bent down about a half inch, and the passenger side was bent up about a half inch and forward a half inch, which that one was so bent up that, you know, it's it, 
made more sense to rebuild or have one of my sponsors, uh, Kroll uh, Fabrication and Machining, build yeah, me you have a those new guys build it. Yeah, very, very good guy and um, does great work. But yeah, so anyways, we have uh, new housing, new rear springs, uh, the the mount, the spring mounts on the chassis were twisted. The lower control arm on the right front, um, tie rod assembly on the right front. Uh, we had our right rear axle shaft that was bent. The body obviously was not even close to being savable. <laughs> so, I mean, with all that being said, yeah, it's a little bit of work to get her done, but we're going to get her done. You mentioned a little while ago that that's a, a home-built truck. How much of that is, you know, you by yourself or, you know, how big is your actual team that supports you? We have five, five to six guys that consistently help us out or help out the team. Mainly, I would have to say uh, with the build of the truck, because we actually were, we started building this truck quite a few years ago already. And, um, you know, with funds and um, not much backing or, you know, to start out, you know, everything was coming out of my own pocket. And my dad and me pretty much built the whole chassis, but. We got pointers from, uh, you know, Nick Visser and uh, Nick Bing. And um, those guys, if I had a question, uh, they, they were always right there to, you know, give me a somewhat of an answer uh, to, to steer me in the right direction. I always told guys that I raced against um, in the past and today, I would rather have a guy that can race me side by side than a guy that can't control their vehicle and ends up taking you out. So as far as that goes, I mean, the off-road community, especially, I mean, everyone's willing to help out and, I mean, loan parts or it's just great. It's great. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the community is awesome, and I totally agree with you. I mean, I always said that to my brother, like, if we could help those other guys so they don't drive like idiots, we'd be all right, you know? Other than being an idiot, if they don't have a car to make that turn, they're going to be a guy in the way or uh, orange cone, you know what I'm saying? Like, so... I totally agree with that. So Aaron, I know that before you raced off-road, you came out of dirt mod cars a long time ago, and then more recently, late models. Um, how long did you do that? And then what just, what made you decide to jump into uh, short course off-road racing? I grew up around off-road, actually. My dad raced buggies when I was young, well, from the time I was born and till the time I, he retired out of it when, he, uh, when I was about 13 years old. But he, you know, he started out in a uh, light buggy and you know into 1600 buggy and when he retired he uh was racing back then which was class nine which is unlimited buggy which today is uh what pro buggy so i grew up around that i always wanted to race off road but you know not not every family has you know the funds to bring the next generation in with that being said i was about 19 years old and i'm like i want to get into racing i i never raced anything before that uh, i was always kind of a daredevil on everything else and hurt myself but I wanted to get into racing. So anyways, I, I, I ended up getting a, a bent up modified chassis laying in the weeds that needed a new front stub. And I used to be a welder fabricator by trade. So yeah, I mean, put her back together. I mean, that's when they started the sport mod division, uh, IMC Northern sport mod division. And uh, that would have been 2006. And I raced uh, the sport mod division for six years. I mean, we had really didn't, I got one feature win in that, which wasn't a lot of wins, but I had, I was really, really consistent at certain tracks. I mean, we took, you know, top fourth and, you know, fourth and overall points and um, rookie of the year in, in um, those classes. And, you know, we were always striving to do good. So anyways, with that being said, I, I raced sport mod for six years. And then I decided to get into a crate late model class, which was fast track late model at Shawnee Speedway. So I started out, that's a 604 crate motor. It's sealed. You can't, you know, do anything internally. You can't, you're not supposed to take it apart. You're not supposed to do anything. And uh, so that was my very first year. I bought a used car uh, from a guy named Chad Mater out of Eau Claire and put it together. And we went out and we actually got our first feature win in late model with that car. And we ended up fourth in points overall in our first season. And that was awesome. That was great. We had a great time. And I didn't plan on moving up classes at that time. I had a lot of money to get a open motor for a late model. Plus, you know, better shocks, better, I mean, suspensions got to get upgraded and so I had a, a sponsor at that time that stepped up and said, well, you know what? You're not, you're not going to race this class next year. You're going to move up. And I said, God, I can't, I can't afford that. He's like, well, um, I don't care. You're, you're doing that next year. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> all right. He said, well, uh, we'll discuss details after that. Right. So they helped me get into that area, um, which, you know, there was certain uh, circumstances that had to be done. Obviously there's always, you know, 
did that and we got into the with soda late model class open motor i mean we had rules 360 uh, two cubic inch you know that little motor was pumping out 630 horsepower and it was on alcohol and the cars only weighed 2300 pounds so i mean there's nothing for us to hit on the straightaways at shano speedway which is a half mile track i'd say 120 on the straightaways and coming into them corners wow. it's it's a blast i mean it's fun you're singing yeah just singing i mean 9000 rpm you know um but yeah it was, it was a great time i had I, I had a lot of fun doing that we had uh uh, every year that we did race late model, we were always in the top 10 in points. But I'd say my best finish in the uh, open late model class was actually at Luxembourg Speedway. I had uh, taken third in the main event there. I mean, I'm racing against guys in that class that have been racing for 20 plus years and have three times the amount of, uh, you know, better equipment than I had. So for me to do that, that was uh, actually further, uh, better than a win uh, to us at that time. So Further along in life, more stable, married, kids, better job, more pay, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finally do what I always really wanted to do. We're going to build an off-road truck, and we're going to go racing. So I got rid of all my circle track stuff, and we started building off-road trucks. So yeah, last year was my first year in off-road, and it's just, it's it's so much fun. I What I really like about the off-road is you don't have time to think, is the way I kind of feel. You... It's more of a knee-jerk reaction, uh, and hopefully you made the right reaction, right? So or action, and I just I on on the, on the circle track cars, I just felt like I had too much time to think about what I'm going to do coming to the next corner, and actually overanalyze it and not do it good, <laughs> you know. So off road keeps you on your toes. Every lap is different. Every corner is different. Whether it be bottom lane, top lane, middle lane. It's different every lap, and it's a challenge, and that's what I really like. Has it carried over, like, your circle track experience to the off-roads? Has it carried over at all? Yeah, I was going to ask a similar question because we like to ask that to pretty much every driver that we have on who's raced something else, but it sounds like more of what you learned just running your program carries over, just maximizing your resources, even if, you know, the equipment is not the greatest, and, you know, learning how to survive a season, it sounded like you lean on the experience from uh, late models on that side of things a lot. Yeah, uh, very true. Um, we always, like I say, we, it's our, our team. We always, um, maintenance was really huge to us on our vehicles. And the more you can keep that vehicle in tip top shape and work hard for setup. And I mean, I, I think setup is huge. And the motor that we have in our truck right now, currently, to be honest with you, is a very small motor. It's not that I have a lot of, I don't want to say power, but we've been really, really working hard at trying to get the truck to hook up and play with different torque converters, um, shocks, obviously, I mean, spring adjust. I mean, all that stuff matters so much. A ride highs, you know, fuel cell placement. I mean, all of it. And it's just getting the right combination and to keep trying to find that next step or edge in our program. And like you said, make, I don't want to make do with what you got. I don't want to say if that's totally a hundred percent correct, but as far as the driving goes, you were asking me before about the circle track transition into off-road. I do believe uh, the driving also did transition over. And what I mean by that is if, if you go out on any, any off-road racetrack right now, they're mainly all left-hand corners. I mean, there's usually one or two right-hand corners, um, which I had to really get used to last year. That was like my kryptonite because I wasn't used to going right. <laughs> and so that was something I really had to get used to, you know, so you already got the feeling, you know, of the vehicle sliding um, out from underneath you, um, you know, trying to keep maintain your, your traction through a blue groove or a sandy, dirty, you know, track. So, I mean, you get, you get all them different types of track conditions and circle track as well. So I think some of that really helped, helped me out, you know, when and when not to feather out of the throttle and, you know, how to, how to adjust your, your brake front to rear you know a lot of that stuff to me that was a transition right i mean that i we all that stuff is done in circle track and i think it, it just it went really well and I, it with that transition and us really wanting to get in the off-road and do it and be successful i mean that's that was the drive is really you know what put us where we're at so we're talking like the rest of the year now aaron like what's your goals what's your mindset i know you're coming off a massive wreck but are you excited to get behind the wheel or are you very nervous? I mean, tell everyone out there 
Like, what's your game plan? So, um, our game plan, I mean, we, we always try to make a realistic goal uh, for ourselves. I mean, you want to jump too high in the air right away. But what we want to do is I, I would really like to see ourselves top five in points by the end of the season. That would be huge to us as a, as a team. And we're going to fight for that because every truck in Superstock is fast. I don't care what truck, what name, that doesn't matter. Every person in this class is fast. And if you screw up lightly, that guy behind you is there to take that spot. And and he's going to let you know that he's there to take that spot. And it, that's what I really love about the class. I mean, everyone drives hard. Everybody wants to win. Everybody Everybody's fast. <laughs> it's a tough, tough class. Um, but, you know, I think that's what makes it even better does that crash give you anything does that make you worry heading into the first turn or no no actually it's funny you say that because um just a night or two ago my dad was talking to me about that and you know on where he used to line up with the buggy and all that stuff and and he was like you know you know maybe you you know did you learn you know to hang back a little bit now and i'm like <laughs> no i'm like no no i'm just gonna I'm going to run right through because if my truck's fast enough, I want to come out in the front too. As everybody knows, if you can come out of turn one in the front, that's very beneficial on a track like that. And I mean, everybody is running higher speeds. It's longer straightaways. It's bigger corners. In order for you to make up some ground or time on another driver, you really got to be on your game. You got to bring, you got to bring your A game. Well, hey, Aaron, we uh, really appreciate you taking some time with us. We uh, look forward to seeing you bring your A-game to ERX here in, uh, I guess it's just over a week now. So uh, we look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah, we, we can't wait. We're excited, too. Uh, it's one of my favorite tracks to drive a uh, race on. We're going we're gonna to bring our A-game to ERX and uh, try hard to put ourselves back on the podium. Well, good luck, bud. I hope the best for you and get that truck done. We will. We will for sure. Well, that wraps things up with episode seven of the Champ Off-Road podcast presented by Amsoil. We have to thank both our guests, Aaron Holiday and Scotty Lawrence. Shane, man, what's up next on the podcast? Well, ERX is just about one week from now, so there will be one episode out next week. We'll have a guest on that one as well. We'll lay out what we can expect at ERX and... Man, this summer is just flying by. It's almost time for rounds five and six. Yeah, it's coming fast. I cannot wait to get to ERX Motor Park. For Shane Stetsney, I'm Brent Smith. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil.